Aftertaste after the first bite, a couple seconds. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know what that is. I don't know if I like it or not. It's interesting. What's going on, everyone? From Broad Street Licensing Group, I'm Peter Cross. And I'm Trevor Graham. And you're watching The Royalty Report, the show that puts brand licensing into the spotlight. And today we're joined by Ted Larkins. He's an entrepreneur, business executive, and pioneer in international brand licensing, having worked with major companies such as Paramount Pictures, Pepsi, Sony Pictures, 20th Century Fox, and big names like John Bon Jovi, Bruce Lee, and Mariah Carey. He's also written the books, Get to Be Happy, Stories and Secrets to Loving the Shit Out of Life, and his newest book, The Get To Principle. Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you. So awesome to be here. So excited. You guys are awesome. We've I love their little pre-talk. Yeah, <laughs> talking about life and all kinds of shit. I'm Hell, so Ted, I know you've seen the show before, yeah. but we're going to be doing something a lot different today, okay. okay? While we go through the interview process, we're going to be going through the branded cereal gauntlet. Awesome. So as we go from question to question, we'll go from cereal to cereal. Love it. So That's how awesome. are you with breakfast cereals? Do you like it? Do you have it in your mix in the morning? I'm a fan. I'm a huge cereal guy. My life name my biggest one Captain Crunch I have some in my cabinet right now I had a bowl yesterday and I always love Seinfeld because he had the cereal in yeah. all of his episodes right <laughs> when I saw this when I came in I'm like holy crap this is awesome mm. oh. oh my god I'm loving Wendy's Frosted Cereal. I, I'm a fan. All right, so Ted, as a lot of people try to get to in your interviews, they want to talk about you and your Japan time, mostly in the bartending. You also got your start in the brand licensing industry by accident over in Japan. I wonder if you could give us some insight on what the biggest challenge was when representing Western icons like James Dean and Pepsi over in a time when Japan wasn't actually such a big licensing market that it is today. Right. Well, it's funny, when I got to Japan, he was... Like he was one of, he and Audrey Hepburn were two of the most popular characters That's in so Japan wild. at the time. And my career started, the guy said, hey, I want to do t-shirts. Can you call this phone number? So I called and James Dean's cousin answered. I'm like, hey man, I'm in Japan with this guy. He wants to do t-shirts. He doesn't speak English. I've got a dictionary. And and Marcus Winslow was his name. He said, yeah, this is called licensing. I'm like, okay, mm. you know, send me a check for 10 grand. I'll send you some pictures. And so we did it. And they literally sent an envelope of James Dean pictures. They put it on t-shirts, started selling. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, the Jap the guy, Yoshida is his name in Japan. He said, he came to me, he said, Ted, call him back. I want to do hats. In the next five years, we did over $80 million of James Dean product. Shirts, hats, snowboards, skis, boots, underwear, Damn. socks, hundreds of products. And the Japanese ate it up. So I'm gathering you're a fan of like Japanese culture and everything. So I lived in Japan for nine years. Did you yeah. ever get a chance while you're over there? Being a bartender, did you get a chance to go to any of like the weird niche bars? Like I know that like Rococo is huge over uh, there. Yeah. That, and they have a huge like greaser movement with like the rockabilly cats and stuff oh, out there. Interesting. There's I don't just know so many cool underground Japanese I went cultures. To, I went to tons of bars. Now this is 20 years ago, yeah. so I don't know if current, but when I was there because I lived with a Japanese family and I got really ensconced into 
the world. I wasn't with, I made a rule not to have foreigner, foreigner friends <laughs> in order to learn the language. Are we ready to move on to yeah, the next one? Yeah, party. totally. Totally cool. All right, so, so this got? next one is post Duncan caramel macchiato wow. cereal. Duncan. Hands down, my favorite coffee franchise. I'm not a fan. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not good. I don't, I'm not a, I'm, look, I'm not a big coffee guy in general. At first I did enjoy the coffee taste, but. But it's just like, yeah, I couldn't aftertaste. do this for a, No, the aftertaste, yeah. once you get in there isn't. Yeah. That nice. It's okay. It is what it is, but. So Ted, I know that music is really important to you. It's really important to us. It's a big aspect I of your, your life. I love your guitars, Peter. It's Thank awesome. You very much. Yeah, yeah. Got the guitars off screen. But what was really fascinating is that you had a 13 piece drum set with two bass drums. And not only did you have that playing with your high school rock band called Cax, but you would also travel around the Ohio area with your drum set. Yeah. And most notably, you'd play the Ohio State bar scene. So I'd wonder which bar in the Ohio State area you had more fun in, Mean Mr. Mustard's or oh Bernie's? God. Oh my God. I was talking to my friend Pat the other day. We grew up together and we were talking about Mean Mr. Mustard's and he has a photograph, I swear to God, last week of Mean Mr. Mustard's back from the early 70s. And I think I just, the times there on High Street. So to answer your question, Mean Mr. Mustard's was by far the best. We were just a scrappy band. We'd go in and our with our, our station wagons and pull out all our crap and put it into the bar and then sit there and play and smoking cigarettes and yeah. just crazy and uh but the dream to be a rock and roll star right it was real for maybe two years you even had an agent that would we help had you an agent we, we, rock and roll. we created a 45 we recorded a 45 don't forget my love what's the name <laughs> i think the name of the song was you don't want you don't want my loves that was the name of the song <laughs> on my little 45 are we ready to move on to the next one I'm ready. Before we get into it, because this is post Oreo O's. Okay. Are you an Oreo fan? And if so, do you dunk your Oreos in or do you eat them before putting them in the milk? Wow, I haven't dunked an Oreo for 30 years. Maybe let's call it 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I used to dunk, love to dunk, but I love an Oreo as it is, but I would also unscrew it and, yep. and on my bottom teeth, mm -hmm. get the cream off. Oh, that's good. Mm. I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. Ted, I know you've bartended in a lot of places. You started off in Ohio at the International Bartender Institute in Columbus. And then you bartended in places like the MGM Grand in Reno. You did a stint at the Sheridan in San Diego. And then some time, as you said, in Osaka and yep. Japan. And so you probably have made and served thousands of drinks over your lifetime. What is the worst drink you've ever had to make and why is it the Long Island iced tea? Oh my God, the Long Island iced tea. The Long Island iced tea is nothing more than every kind of alcohol on the bar poured in with a splash of Coke. five different ones. Oh my God, yeah. I don't even remember that the recipe for it. But it was, I mean, I just remember serving the Long Island iced tea to people and getting people so messed up just on that drink. And I just like, oh my God. One of my saddest stories is that I, I served a guy, he was at the MGM Grand, he'd spent all his money and uh, gambling, uh, but you're still allowed to drink for free, yeah. right? Because you're a gambler. So he came to my bar and I kept serving him, serving him. And uh, later I found out that he had passed out 
in the slot machine area uh, and they took him to the hospital. And I felt bad as a, yeah, but I felt bad as a bartender. Where's your responsibility? Now, back then, this is 1986, something like that, 87. You know, what was your responsibility as a bartender? You know, can you just feed them? But I don't know. I did it. I did it. And it didn't feel, well, it didn't feel great casino. afterwards. Yeah. I'm sure according to casino, yeah. get them as loaded as you can. All right. So true or false. Okay. When you were living in Osaka, Japan, you would get on your bike and travel 30 minutes to the outskirts of town just to learn more Japanese from an old Japanese woman. True. Bike mean bicycle Every day. or Honda? They called it a charinko in Japanese. And it was just a little, little, little bicycle thing yeah. with little bells, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and I would ride my bike 30 minutes outside and go to Saito Sensei yeah. for to her house. She was a, she, um, Listen to this. She was in um, in China. Her dad was a military, and after the war, after they got out of the war, her dad was sent and died in a in a, a prison camp. Then the Jap Japan lost, and she, my teacher, she got sent put on a boat, sent back, and she was on a boat. And the two boats coming back to Japan, one hit a, a mine, and she watched it sink as a seven year old. And then she came back to Japan, got married, did her life. Then her husband died and I met her as she was a widow and her had four grown kids. But I learned so much from her. She was just so brilliant. You know, I'd gone down to, I had a little bit of an enlightenment, mm. you know, and I was at a, was going to the Buddhist temples down in Hiroshima, in the mountains of Hiroshima, the Zen temples and meditating. And I went to her, I said, you know, I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna go to the mountains and become a monk. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and just said, are you an idiot? <laughs> she was so cute. She just said, look, true meditation, true spirituality is when you can be peaceful in the world. Anybody can run off to a cave, Ted, you know, really. And she really changed the direction of my life by really supporting my spiritual quest through meditation and Zen Buddhism and whatever, um, but while also staying in in the world. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. She passed away probably, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 years ago now. You oh. know, she was 80 some years old by the oh, time, yeah. that time. But we were, we spent a lot, of, long time together. It was super awesome. All right. So this next one that we're going to do is Applejack's Kellogg's Ooh. Nickelodeon Slime, oh which has God. got a, a weird little connotation to Trevor and us because we grew up with Nickelodeon with the slime. Uh, so I'm curious to see how this is going to actually react yeah. to the milk. Is this now, is this actually Applejack's? Because I'm a big Applejack's fan. I reckon my my is take it, on it is it's probably just going to taste exactly like Applejack's. It's going to turn our milk green. Well, Ted, okay. we're going to pour the milk Let's in and we're going to find out. All right. You're going to give us our the most honest review you can. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in on honest reviews. Mmm. I think it's just Applejack's. All right. And I love apple jacks. Mm -hmm. I think the IP that they might be taking from the Nickelodeon slime is it turns your milk green. Mm -hmm. So I'm it's curious okay. to see I'm what really this is going to look I'm really going to try and churn this up so that my yeah. milk turns green. If I don't get green milk, I swear to God, apple jacks, Nickelodeon. So Ted, while, while the apple jacks stew, I wanted to get into more of your background. You have a lot of experience in brand licensing and being on the agency side and also a lot of different other aspects too. Yeah. 
but at one point you were almost the brand or the licensor yourself. I wonder if you could bring us into the time when you were presented with a catalog where you were Captain Ted and Friends, <laughs> being a pirate as a teddy bear yeah. and a lot more, and then ultimately almost being the Larkins brand in Japan. Yeah. So it's funny, I was living with a guy, this Japanese guy, and he came and, and I was living with his family. It was like a homestay. He came home one day and he said, and he said, I'm going to use the Larkin's name. And he showed me this catalog that he had printed up and it was Larkin's wear with Captain Ted dolls. And said, you're going to be a, you know, we're going to build this. I'm like, are you crazy? What, what the hell? Who am I? And, um, but I talked to my dad at that night or a couple of nights later, I called my dad. Hey dad, guess what's going on here in Japan? And my dad said, well, how much is he paying you? I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, those freaking Jap man. Pardon me, but he was of the warrior. I was going to say. Yeah, and I said, Dad, life. Dad, the war was a long time ago, but he was in, the, you know, he was in the Korean War. He was a Marine. Mm -hmm. And so I had to educate my dad. Yep. And and I'm going to call it six years later, he and I flew over. I flew him. I gave him for his birthday present a flight, yeah. a trip to Japan. And we came to Japan and we traveled around and we ate sushi. And my dad was a, you know, he wasn't the traveling kind of guy. Yeah. It was a little, you know, if he would say that about the Japanese. And he opened up and said, I take all of it back to yeah. I said, thank you, dad. So Ted, there have been a lot of like exciting experiences in your life. Yeah. You've lived in a lot of places and experienced a lot of things. So I wonder which is the most thrilling part of your life. The time that you traveled across the country hitchhiking with a friend or when you got your pilot's license? Oh my God. That's a great question. I tell you, I... Do you have your pilot's license? No. Do you have your pilot's no. license? Go get your pilot's license. It's by far one of the funnest things I've done. Really? Now, hitchhiking across America in 1980, that was cool. There were some incredible experiences with that. But to get to go sit in a plane with some friends and do that whole thing, put the headphones on, A Tower, uh, uh, Piper 347, uh, runway <laughs> yeah. left, take off. Ah, oh, there's nothing like it. It was so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I got about... I did it in 49 hours. You know, now it's going to take you a, yeah, a little bit longer. Than back then. Yeah, but it was just so freeing. And to be up in a plane flying around clouds. And I lived in Southern California at the time. So we would fly up, uh, you know, the waitresses and bartenders, whatever. There were, it was a four-seater. There were four of us would get in the plane, fly up, put our skis in, fly up to Big Bear, ski oh, for the day, right. fly home, and then go to the Sheraton Bar and bartend. So speaking of experiences that you've had, you've also <clears throat> been a part of a lot of jobs. You've held a lot of jobs over your lifetime. You've been in brand licensing, obviously. You were a tour guide at Universal Studios for a bit. Uh, which Wait, just to be clear, for a day. For a okay. day? Yes. I went through the whole training for like months <laughs> and then I got and I did my first day on the tram. Hi, and on the left is the great shark. Blah, blah, blah. And I was sweating and I was miserable. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I think even more <laughs> fascinating though is that you were almost a Japanese translator at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. So with all of the jobs that you've had throughout your lifetime, mm. from start to finish, which one was the most fun overall? God, the most fun job. I know. Look, the truth is, and this isn't bullshit just because I'm in licensing, the licensing, some of the licensing deals and some of the things I've done, even this, this is one, this is my job. Yeah. I'm talking to you guys eating cereal. I mean, how great is that? Um, I think living in Japan and, and when I was representing the movie studios and having clients come over, it was really such a thrill to 
you know, be involved in that and putting together deals. My partners in Japan putting together uh, Mariah Carey English School. We did a Bon Jovi slot machine deal, and you know all the various things we did. A, I represented the uh, Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, and we did a Hollywood themed uh, amusement. Parlor in Japan, so it's it's the excitement of putting those deals together and seeing them come to fruition, like you've done here. Some of the things you've done, amazing. So I, you, I think for me, it's awesome. I'm a huge fan of your work <laughs> because it's not easy and it takes a lot. You know, you're coming up with ideas and then you're pitching them and then you're making it make sense to the client and then to the licensee and bringing them together and making it work. It's, I mean, it's like a puzzle, but it's really exciting. And we were talking earlier, Peter, about you know who you don't go to school and you know just and then go go to school for licensing. You kind of fall into it. Most people do. Although now we are doing, you know, there's organizations, you know, licensing. International, we're you know really supporting people to get into it, be more, be more deliberate about getting into the licensing industry. But um, I think that as we start, as people get into it, you really have to be creative and really do some cool stuff. Sharon was on one of your podcasts or back here, you know, and just think of all the cool things that she's doing. And oh, it's just super incredible. All right, so we ready to move on to the final serial? Absolutely. All right, so this one is a special one from. Kellogg's only in at Walmart and for the December time frame. It is Elf on the Shelf snow cream cereal oh with God. marshmallows. And the cool thing is that it magically cools your mouth as you eat it. So I love to see what that's all <laughs> Cooling about. power of menthol. Oh my God. It's all like right. Eating a new quarter. All right. I'm super excited. You know what? My cereal's filling out. I'm just going to go for it. The more a mess that you make in, in the studio, the better. The better. Okay, good. Mmm. Mmm. There's a familiar taste. Yeah. It's weird. It's Hold not. Yeah, that aftertaste after the first bite of a couple seconds. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know what that is. I don't know if I like it or not. It's interesting. So, Ted, as somebody who's written a book about building to one's personal happiness, I'm curious if this quote strikes any chords for you from Dr. Seuss. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Oh, I love that. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Yeah, I love it. You know what? Here, you know what I got? This is a necklace that I wear all the time. It was given to me by my fiance and it was dipped in the Ganges River. In India, and um, I think what it—the reason I say this—is that life is this unfolding moment by moment, right? And I use this as my is a like an inspiration to just come back to the moment. When I think of anything happening right now, and I think, oh, I wish I had done it different. I wish I had. As soon as I have that thought, I realize that it couldn't be. I would then my whole life would be over if I made one different comment. If I made one different thing. You know that would change how my life is, and for the most part, in the, in a given moment, I'm feeling pretty happy. And so, I think that quote in particular is that you can really just just experience what's happening now for what it was and for what you're having at the moment. And I do a lot of meditating. You know, I meditate every day to quiet my mind in order to come to the experience. And the reality is. And this, I don't want to get too esoteric. There is no past. It's only unfolding now. 
Now you can get into, yeah, what about wars and what about horrendous stuff? I'm not saying that didn't exist or any, it, yeah, it's painful. And I know pain just as well as every human being, right? But the more we can come into just experiencing what's unfolding in front of us right now, the cereal, you guys, the lights, the, this, everything, the more we can come into that, even when you're in an Uber and you're talking to an Uber driver, or if you're anything, just come to the moment. Mm. It can be really special. And I think that the more that we as humans can do that together, the more that we start experiencing, I don't know, a love mm -hmm. or experiencing a more peaceful experience on the planet. That's what I'm hoping that, you know, the, the younger generation's doing. And I love Dr. Seuss and some of the quotes that are just like, come to this moment and be happy. All right, so Ted, you've made it through I the cereal gauntlet. We went from Wendy's Frosty all the way to the Elf on the Shelf cereal. Mm -hmm. So there's really nothing left to do but to give you 30 seconds towards your camera. Tell the people what's going on either business-wise or personally. 30 seconds, the floor is yours. Wow. So I wrote a book, Get to Be Happy, Stories and Secrets to Loving the Shit Out of Life. Highly recommended. Um, I'm currently with Octane 5, which is a brand um, software management and brand protection. Uh, platform. They are, I've been in this space for, uh, for a number of years now and they are the best. And our, you know, our clients, uh, Coca-Cola, Caterpillar, Ford, Nike, I tell you, it's uh, if, if you want uh, a licensing software to manage your licensing business, it's the best, not just because I work there. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else? And love to my kids. Well, Ted, thank you so much for coming on your Thank you so much. Thank you guys you. are awesome. I really love that.